Kia ora. This program is brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. Cool. Good day, everyone, and welcome to Capital Irish, the Irish-related program that comes to you every Sunday at high noon on Wellington Access Radio 106.1 FM. Or you can Google it on wellingtonaccessradio.org.nz and listen to it in any part of the world, from the North to the South Pole. We are supported by our sponsors, the uh, Hutt Valley Irish Society, Peter and Susie McGuinness, and the Wellington Irish Trust. My name is Jim Friel, originally from County Mayo. With me in the studio, doing the important technical job, is Marion Grealis, who also does her own programme and always does a good job in both categories. Today I will bring you snippets of Irish-related news or little stories from Ireland that caught my eye during the past week or so. The first one is from the UK Guardian about a new item recently put on display at the National Museum of Ireland in Dublin. This is the home of the Book of Kells, the Book of Armagh and hundreds of other medieval manuscripts in Latin and Irish. This new find is 1,200 years old and was found in a Tipperary peat bog. It's a holy Sam book, still in its original leather cover. It's known as the Fadden Moor Psalter. John Gillis, the chief manuscript conservationist at Trinity College in Dublin, has meticulously cleaned it all up. It was by far the most challenging and most interesting project I have ever undertaken, he said. Drying it, then unpicking and unfolding the pages was painstaking. It has taken him more than two years to complete the work. He loves his work. The reward, he said, is to be the first person in 1,200 years to view this book. He says there is no repair work. I have attached nothing new. All I have done is captured and stabilised. It is now one of Ireland's top ten treasures and the subject of a book documenting every page of the preservation process for future scholars. Well, I was thinking myself that now that it's illegal to harvest turf commercially in Ireland, there will be no more lost treasures such as this one. Who knows what other ancient treasures are buried in the boglands of Ireland. In the past, they have discovered kegs of butter 5,000 years old and Viking swords and many other items. The Irish Post had a story recently about Luke Kelly, the famous Dublin singer and one of the Dubliners. He died on the 30th of January 1984 at the age of 43 from a brain tumour. His influence was far-reaching in the music world. He grew up in the Five Lamps area of Dublin. A house fire in 1953 destroyed the family home and forced the Kelly family to move to London. He worked with his brother Paddy as a steel fixer and later many other jobs in London. Before returning to Dublin, where he used, used to sing and play the banjo 
at O'Donoghue's pub in Merion Row. He linked up with Ronnie Drew, Barney McKenna, Kieran Burke and John Sheehan. They formed the Dubliners. The reason for the name? Well, at the time, Luke happened to be reading James Joyce's book called The Dubliners. The rest is history, as they say. So impressed was the Irish poet Patrick Kavanagh with Luke's singing that one evening in the Bailey pub, he suggested that Luke should sing his poem Raglan Road. So they sat down and set it to the old tune, The Dawning of the Day. The poem is about Kavanagh's fascination and one-sided love for a young woman by the name of Hilda Moriarty. It's one of my favourite Dublin songs. When I used to go back to Ireland, my brother-in-law John used to sing this and make a lovely job of it. But uh, now we'll have Luke Kelly with his version. On Raglan Road Of an autumn day I saw her first And knew That her dark hair Would weave a snare That I might one day I saw the danger and I passed along the enchanted way and I said let grief be a fallen leaf at the dawning of the day. On Grafton Street In November We trip lightly along the ledge Of a deep ravine Where it can be seen The worth of passion's pledge the Queen of Hearts still making tart And I'm not making hay Oh, I loved too much And by such, by such Is happiness thrown I gave her gifts of the mind I gave her the secret sign That's known to the artists who have known The true gods of sound and the stone and word and tint without stint I gave her poems to say With 
her own name there And her own dark hair Like clouds over fields of On a quiet street Where old ghosts meet I see her walking now Away from me so hurriedly My reason must allow that I had loved not as I should A creature made of clay When the angel woos The clay he'd lose His wings at the dawn Hope you enjoyed that. Luke Kelly, if he had lived, would be 81 in January. Other snippets from the Irish Post. This one is about Guinness Stout. Can any of you listeners answer the question, which countries consume the most Guinness? The answer is, number one, the UK. The first Guinness brewery opened there in 1936. Number two, Nigeria. It's been sold there since 1827. Curiously, in glass bottles rather than cans or your traditional pint glass. Number three, Ireland. For every four beers ordered in Ireland, one will be a Guinness. Of course, there are other stouts for sale as well, like notably Murphy's. The fourth biggest consumer of Guinness is the United States. Well, I suppose it's not surprising. There's a lot of Guinness consumed in America as there are Irish pubs littered across every city. Number five, can you guess? Well, it's another African country, Cameroon. Of 40%, would you believe, of worldwide total Guinness volume is brewed and sold on the African continent. Four breweries are in Nigeria, while two others are in Cameroon and Ghana. I thought some of you might be interested in that little item. In my last program on Capillage, I spoke about the book Belonging by Catherine Corliss. It's the story of the tomb, mother and baby home. I've read the book since the review, since I reviewed it. And it's a sad, true story and exposes a dark chapter in our history. The Irish Central had a related story recently. It was about a Spanish filmmaker who lives in Ireland. Her name is Teresa Lavina. And she has made a documentary called Untold Secrets. It tells the story of Anne Silk, who was a survivor of the tomb home and was fostered in 1958 by a prominent founding member of the Fianna Fáil party, 
who represented Galway constituencies. Anne, who died this year, was a mother of eight children. In the documentary, she describes how she was exploited for labour by the prominent political family, never allowed to eat at the same table with the family, and was beaten if she did not complete her work or if she defended herself. The documentary premiered premiered at the Galway Film Festival. It was also nominated for Best Documentary at a Spanish Film Festival. Members of the political family have denied the allegations, well, they would, wouldn't they, and accused her and the festival people of defamation. The documentary was also awarded Best Social Justice at a Vancouver Film Festival and a a Toronto, uh, Toronto Film Festival. It's also been shown in San Francisco and other American cities. The story of abuse of children in Ireland is, unfortunately, also the story of child abuse in many countries. The stolen generation in Australia, where Aboriginal children were taken by the state from their parents and fostered out to white families to force them to integrate into white society. Same happened in Canada. And even here in New Zealand, we have recently had the report exposing the torture of children at a state-run Lake Alice institution um, near Bulls. So, so much power put in the hands of callous people without proper humanitarian oversight. Well, that's what I think. One of Ireland's most popular entertainers and singers has recently celebrated his 60th birthday. Can you guess who? Give you a hint. He's a Donegal man. Now I bet you know. That's right. Daniel O'Donnell. In his honour, I will now play one of my favourite Daniel songs. Over the years when I used to return to visit my family in Ireland, hopefully we'll do that again one day after this virus has passed, my brother Paddy, who in my opinion was equally as good a singer as Daniel, used to sing this song, different pubs, etc., I don't have a recording of my brother, so we will have Daniel. And the song is My Dunny Go Show. Oh, I know it's not right Reminiscing tonight Of days that are gone Returning no more For the girl I dream of Has another man's love Far, far away On a Donegal shore But why should I care For she's happy or there She may If I stayed at home on my Donegal shore Now it's winter time there All the 
Daniel and, and his wife, Magella, do a lot of humanitarian work. He has received awards for it down through the years. Many people have shared stories about his random acts of kindness, singing at retirement homes and hospitals and children's homes, etc., all for free. He's a good man. The Irish Central recently had a light-hearted piece about how Ireland has given to the English language many words that many of us don't realise have Irish roots. I will mention a few. Slogan, it comes from Slua and Giram. Slua apparently is Irish for crowd. Giram can refer to a calling or a professional profession. Galore, another Irish word. Smithereens, another one. Clan, well, I thought that would be. Swanky, didn't know that one would. Whiskey, well, yeah, ishkabah, meaning water of life. Keening, which means lament. Up until the middle of the last century, that's the middle of the 1950s, keeners could be often heard at an Irish wake to vocalise the grief of the family. Bog, well, that's in Irish means soft. Boycott, well, that's called after Captain Boycott, who was an agent of an absentee landlord in County Mayo, and in the 1880s was forced to return to England by the Land League movement. Clock, well, I didn't know that was Irish, but apparently it is, goes back to clocker, meaning bell. Dig, from the Irish verb tuig, meaning to understand. Gob, Irish word for mouth or beak. Hooligan, well, it looks sounds Irish anyway, 
and its origins from Ireland. Forney, apparently that's from Ireland as well. Trousers. Mm, the Celts invented the first trousers. And of course, there are many more. Some weeks ago, the Irish Times had an article about the Battle of Ockram and how not many of us know much about it in Ireland. Most Irish people know a little about the Battle of the Boyne in 1690 between Prince William of Orange and James II of England, as the memory is kept alive by the Orangemen in the north of Ireland. An estimated 2,000 died in that battle. And of course, after it, James II took off into exile in France. Did you know that one of his daughters, Mary, was married at the age of 15 to William of Orange? And um, she was known later as Mary II. Well, anyway, the Battle of Ockram near Athenry in Galway, a year later, 12th of July, 1691, was much more brutal than the Boyne. More than twice as many died there. 4,000 died in one day. The area of the battle is known locally as the Bloody Hollow. It was the last major battle in Ireland between the Williamites and the Jacobites. After the battle was over and the Jacobites defeated, the bodies were deprived of burial and left exposed on the battlefield to the birds of the air and the roving wild dogs. The Irish historian Porrick Lenehan called it the bloodiest battle in Irish history, similar to Culloden in Scotland. A bloodbath seared into the Irish memory on both sides of the religious and political divide. In 2009, against opposition from historians, environmentalists and others, the Irish government went ahead and opened a motorway that went right through the battlefield. Their only concession to the protesters, they erected a simple Celtic cross, marking the historic spot where the slaughter happened. Well, there must be ghosts who meet around there. Well, we are less than two weeks away from Christmas. It's the time of year when we all remember family and happy times. The past two years have been difficult for people all over the world with the coronavirus, especially this Delta version. Hope springs eternal, so we hope that the coming year will be better. But none of us can see into the future. A few nights ago, Mary and myself watched the movie Brooklyn on Netflix. I expect many of you have seen it. The book was a bestseller for Wexford writer Colm Tobin. The main character, Eilis Lacey, is brilliantly played by Saoirse Ronan. It's about a young Irish woman immigrating to Brooklyn in New York in the 1950s, and it's her story, really. But there's one scene in the movie where the young Eilis helps out in the Pash Hall with a Christmas dinner for older Irish immigrants, mostly single men who have worked most of their life building high-rise buildings, tunnels, motorways and railways in America. The dinner is an annual event organised by the Irish parish priest, brilliantly played by Jim Broadbent. Though the men have been away from Ireland for most of their life, they still miss the old country. As they reminisce, one of them stands up after being invited to by the priest and he sings the song, 
Kasad on Sugoen. Translation, Twisting of the Rope. It's a powerful scene in the movie where all the immigrants, young and old, remember Christmas and family back home. I will play it for you now by a group called The Gloaming. I wish you all a lovely, happy Christmas. Fare thee well until next time. The castle Kalinda Sorom and Wagenis Nadrom Erluib Naquilas Gliship Word of Yogrim Law Shin Raguru Hok Shiluong Tan sail na gal is bogomish on sushin bom. Smahavinto luam bilum a story mukhri. Smahavinto luam bilum skorti. Mahavinto luam skorlu. Oh
program was brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. Thanks New Zealand On Air for funding accessmedia.nz.